0: All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. 526, 526, 526 in your songbook. Let's stand and sing.
1: Bring them in. Let's stand and sing.
0: Heart Tis a shepherd. I hear out in the desert, dark and drear, calling the sheep who've gone astray. Far from the shepherds, fold away, bring them in. To. Who'll go and help this shepherd kind? Help him the wandering ones to find. who will bring the lost ones. desert, hear their cry, out on the mountains wild and high. Hark, tis the Master speaks to thee, go find my sheep where
2: Good morning. Welcome to church today as we enjoy this reprieve from the rain. Um, Did it rain here all week last week? I'm hearing yes and no. Was it on and off? Um, We went to uh, the Poconos for our vacation last week and a couple of days we were just stuck in our our house there. They had a pool table in the basement so we we got to do that but uh, we did get out and have some fun. I am rested in mind because mentally I didn't work real hard last week. But I, boy, we got out and exercised. We went hiking. Um, we uh, we played volleyball, and um, I'm gonna embarrass my wife real good here. She's gonna get on me later for this. But we were there was 16 of us that stayed in that cabin, all my family. So we were, had a five on five game. We were losing six to ten, and Angela served us all the way to a win, fifteen to ten. Let's give Angela. A- no, I'm just being funny there, but we had a great time. We, we did, and um, very restful and enjoyable, so thank you for all of you that prayed for us and our safety. We had a good time, uh, but good to see all of you back here again. We miss you guys. I heard Brother Jake did a great job Wednesday night with the Bible study, and so thank you for filling in there and, um, and taking care of us there, but um, looking forward to a good time in the house of God as we continue our study through Revelation this morning, and so let's turn around and greet one another. We'll come back and sing that chorus in just a moment. Thank you. sing that chorus together bring them in bring them in bring them in from the fields of sin bring them in bring them in bring the wandering ones to Jesus As we go to the Lord in prayer this uh, morning I have an announcement to make that's uh, quite somber and sad um Mary Verone passed away last night, at, uh, or rather, yesterday afternoon, about 1230. And so, please pray for the Varone family as they're grieving the loss of their mother and grandmother. I spoke with Jan on the phone for just a few minutes yesterday, and they're in the middle of making uh, plans for the, the, the funeral service. Uh, it's looking like it's going to be Saturday here in the auditorium at 10 a.m. So, please pray for the family of uh, Mary Verone as... Um, not only do we grieve with them, but we grieve ourselves. She was a long-standing member here, and just a wonderful woman. Many of you uh, went out of your way to visit her, as uh, she stayed in the Milford uh, Rehabilitation Center for a long time, and really brightened her day, brightened her life uh, as she was there. So, but let's uh, let's pray for the Barone family and for those that are grieving. Mary's in a better place today. Mary uh, died in her sleep, comfortably. And so she didn't didn't she wasn't suffering. If you're gonna go, boy, that's the way to go, isn't it? And she, she closed her eyes and sleep, and she woke up staring in the face of Jesus. Can't think of a better way to go than that. But we'll uh, we'll be praying for those that are grieving uh, her passing. And uh, also, I was given word before the service that Tim Chippio had a uh, a relative pass in the family. I don't Tim, what's the relation there?
3: That's
2: my brother's wife's mother, brother's wife's mother. So brother's we'll mother. so uh, we'll, we'll be praying for uh, those that are grieving as well with that. So let's ask God to give us a good service today and for the Verone family. Uh, Pastor Mike,
1: let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. And Lord, may it not be fickle, but may we with hearts of gratitude. Thank you for each day you give to us because we're alive and we can worship you. We do pray for uh, Mary. We do pray for uh, the uh, Chippewa relative passing away, and that God, you would comfort the hearts. We are thankful that Lord, uh, there is another um, person staring at you at the face and loving you this morning, and we think of that and thank you for that. And God, please bless where blessing is needed and comfort where comfort is needed. As we uh, gather this morning in your name, please uh, give us the strength, give us the courage, give us the Lord the love and joy to worship you in spirit and in truth. And God, uh, that you would bless our pastor with the message today. We do pray, Lord, and we commit these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> Hymn number six, 66, if Jesus goes with me, we'll sing verse 1, verse 3, and verse 4.
0: <clears throat> Verse 1 It may be in the valley Where countless dangers hide It may be in the sunshine That I in peace abide But this one thing I know If it be dark or fair If Jesus is with me I'll go anywhere If Jesus goes with me I'll go anywhere it is heaven to me wherever I may be if he verse 3. But if it be my portion to bear my cross at home, while others bear their burdens beyond the billows foam, I'll prove my faith in him, confess his judgments fair. And if he stays with me, I'll stay anywhere. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go. It is mine to question the judgments of my Lord. It is but mine to follow the leadings of his word. But if to go or stay, or whether here or there, I'll be with my Savior, content anywhere. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go. I'll go
2: anywhere. And ushers, you can make your way forward at this time. We want to welcome any guests that we have visiting with us today. And so if you're visiting for the first time or the first time in a while, if you wouldn't mind, just slip up your hand and we'd love to get you a gift as well as a connection card. This man right here visiting with us. Thank you for coming today. Anybody else? All right, right here. Okay, if you don't mind, uh, fill out that card and drop it in the offering plate when it passes by in a few minutes. That so way we can have a record of your visit. Thank you so much for coming today and enjoy having you. Pastor Mike, do you have a sense of humor or what? I'm preaching on the Antichrist today and he put 666, him 666 up there. <laughs> did anybody catch that? Was I the only one? Good night. So, Did you do that on purpose? So I haven't been here all week. See what happens when the when the when the cats away, the mice play. So um, that was that was great. So. All right. Uh, should I let him lead the choir? Is that are we safe? Are we safe?
3: Yeah.
2: All right. Pastor Mike, come lead the choir for us.
1: please take your hymn book to 633 633 Jesus loves even me we will sing the three verses 633 let's all
0: stand I am so glad that our father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given wonderful things in the Bible I see This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Verse 2. Though I forget him and wander away, still he does love me wherever I stray. Back to his dear loving arms would I flee. Remember that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Verse 3. Oh, if there's only one song I can sing, when in His beauty I see the great King, this shall my song in eternity be. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me.
2: You may be seated. Ushers, please make your way forward. Want to uh, highlight one of our adult Bible study classes, with Okai? if you could stand for me. This is Brother Jacob Okai. He teaches our Berean Bible class right here in the auditorium. Thank you. And doing a great job with that. Took over for Brother Verone when they moved to Georgia. And i got to tell you, they have a home atmosphere in here. They're getting to know each other really well. They've got delicious food every week. And uh, not only uh, physical food, but the spiritual food being served out uh, during the lesson has been really good. Uh, they've been doing a series on prayer, and I've gotten a lot of positive feedback on that And so if you're looking for a Sunday school class to be involved in, that's a great one. Whether you're 18 or you're uh, 81 or anywhere in between or even above that, uh, you're welcome to come and you'll fit right into that class. So 945 right here in the auditorium. Uh, We have other classes that fit uh, folks of all ages and walks of life. So please come and and pick a class and get involved. Let's uh, pray as we receive this morning's tithe offering and faith promise giving. Brother Brother Harvey, if you would lead us in prayer. Revelation chapter 12 in your Bibles. A couple of announcements here I want to um, highlight for us. First of all, beginning next Sunday night, uh, we're going to have different uh, speakers through the month of August in the evening, and then we're going to have food fellowships afterwards. And so be here, bring your family, be a part of that. Um, let's see. August 5th, I believe it's Pastor Mike that's preaching. Is that right, Pastor Mike? Are you at first? That's right. All right. So Pastor Mike will be preaching Sunday night, August 5th. We'll have watermelon after church. And then uh, we also have, let's see, ice cream, snow cones, and pie the other Sunday nights of the month. And so uh, come out and be a part of that. That will begin next week. I would encourage you to be here tonight as well. Don't wait till next week to come. You can be here tonight as well. All right so we'll be doing that. Um, we'll be having a business meeting August 12th. We'll be going over the church's finances, uh, financials um, for the second quarter, uh, and also uh, we'll be voting on a new deacon, and Brother Jacob Okai will be on the ballot, and so show up and uh, and vote uh, for or against him, I guess would be the options, right? But uh, Brother, Brother Okai has been here 31 years with his wife Rose, and just solid church members, have been faithful in so many ways, and so uh, be here, and we're going to vote on making Brother Okai, you know, the deacon in that uh, service, wanted to make everyone aware of that. And so other announcements in there, the senior saints are doing a clothing giveaway, some clothes have started to come in for that, and I'm trying to find our senior sisters, here they are right back here, so come in, uh, and, and if you have extra clothes, instead of dropping them off at the Goodwill, you can always drop them off at the, uh, underneath the clothing rack out there, and then we'll do a. A clothing swap. So please look at your bulletin. So that way you know all of the announcements that are coming. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Revelation chapter 12. And we'll read from verse 7 down through verse number 10. We'll all begin reading together in verse 8. We'll read verses 8 and 10 together. I'll begin in verse 7. The Bible says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels, verse 8 together, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength. And the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. We're going to look at this topic tonight, the war against God and his people, the war against God and his people. Let's pray. God, I ask that this morning as we continue looking at the book of Revelation and Lord, get a. Snapshot of the events to come that uh, you would not just help us to be fascinated with prophecy. Lord, help us to take uh, the message and apply it to the present. And Lord, may we see that we are in a spiritual battle that takes place every day. There is a war going on between the forces of good and evil right over our heads. And Lord, that war is with the intent of either us doing right or wrong. And Lord, the ramifications of of good or, or bad, are great. And so, Lord, help us to choose, uh, decide uh, with fighting for you in righteousness. So, God, uh, as we pull back the curtain and we look at uh, the events to come, may we be encouraged to know that uh, we are on the winning team and, that Lord, you are going to win uh, this fight against evil. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Shakespeare said this. He said, All the world's a stage... And all the men and women merely players. All the world's a stage, and the men and women merely players. If the world is a stage, uh, then God, the God of heaven, is the director and producer of this great play. Even Satan, who hates God, must obey God. Uh, And do exactly as he is told. In my study of the book of Revelation, it's dawned on me that Satan knows the Bible, and and he knows what it says in Revelation. He knows what it means. He has probably a better understanding of the book of Revelation uh, than anybody, and nonetheless, uh, he uh, he still knows that he's got to obey and do exactly what it says. Don't you think that in Satan's rebellious heart he would love to make the mark of the beast five five five, just because the Bible says it has to be six six six? But he has no choice; he must obey. However, Satan is fool enough, foolish enough to believe that he can follow what the Bible says he has to do and somehow still come out ahead and win. It sounds like many a scorner, I know, who you tell them, if you smoke those cigarettes, it's going to put you in the grave early. And they say, oh, not me. They know the facts but oh not me if you continue to drink yourself drunk you could get cirrhosis of the liver and die young statistically speaking you probably will oh not me I can beat it uh, if you um, if you live a lascivious lifestyle and you run around on your wife eventually you 're going to get caught and uh, you're going to suffer great consequences oh not me I can get away with it and Satan is the ultimate scorner oh Satan you have to do what the Bible says in the book of Revelation and you will meet your end you will lose to God in this great war and Satan says oh not me oh not me I can beat it I can come out ahead I can ascend above the most high I can become uh, my own God greater than the God of heaven let's review really quick uh, to catch everyone up to speed on the revelation timeline we looked at this timeline some time ago Uh, I don't have my is there a laser pointer back there that that clicker if so if you could just run that up here for me uh, but, uh, here, here is the, uh, Revelation timeline. Again, if you're in the back, I'm sorry. If you don't have perfect vision, you're not going to be able to see this. But again, if you'd like, uh, slip me your email address, I'll, I'll email you the pictures here. But, uh, chapters six through nine of the book cover the first three and a half years of the tribulation. Um, uh, the chapters 10 through 14 cover all of the midpoint events, and then chapters 15 through 19 cover the last three and a half years. Go ahead and uh, So the church age was prior to, that's where we're at now, and after the tribulation, we will live in the millennial reign of Christ, where Jesus himself will not just be the spiritual king, but he will become the political king of this earth, and he will rule from a theocratic uh, standpoint. He will sit on the throne in Jerusalem and rule with a rod of iron. So the next slide up there for me. We um, uh, are waiting. The next uh, prophetical event will be the rapture or the catching away of the church. And so uh, when that happens, all church saints, both dead and alive, will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. You can see the books of Thessalonians to talk about that. Uh, Once we are in heaven, during that first three and a half years, we will be judged in heaven for both the works of our life and the motive behind our works. All right, so the next slide up there. The very last thing to happen during this 7-year tribulation will be Jesus Christ coming back with his bride the church on horses and we will fight uh God, Christ will fight one more battle we'll just observe as our uh as our king and uh our our newly wed uh Christ will defeat the enemies of the world uh we'll talk about that in length in another message to come that is also when the millennial reign will begin next slide the abomination of desolation, we'll look at that today. What is that? We'll talk about that in detail here in a minute, but that is when the Antichrist will go from being one of the world's leaders to becoming the leader of the world. Next slide. The Bible talks about uh, beginning, I believe it's in chapter 6, it is chapter 6, uh, that Christ, the Lamb of God, takes the title deed from God the Father, and it is sealed with seven wax seals on the back. He begins to break those seals open of the scroll one at a time. And as he breaks them open, judgments begin to plague the earth. The first opening of that uh, first seal open marks the beginning of the Daniel's 70th week. Again, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the sermons prior to this. Uh, I'm just giving you a quick rundown here, but Daniel's 70th week or the last seven-year period Daniel talked about, that will begin uh, that right there. And uh, so there will be seven seal judgments. So the next slide up, and that just states that the 70th week begins with the opening of the first seal, and it will end with the coming back of Christ. And then after the seventh seal judgment, there will be uh, the seventh seal judgment. Uh, God hands seven trumpets to seven angels. Next slide. And we have the seven trumpet judgments. We talked about those two weeks ago. Somewhere in uh, between the sixth and seventh judgment, go ahead to the next slide, you have the two witnesses that are killed and resurrected. We'll talk about that more in a minute. And then next slide, you have... The mark of the beast begins. We'll also talk about that in just a moment. The last set of seven judgments that uh, will happen, I'll go ahead and throw the last one up there, will be the first vile or bold judgment and will conclude with the seventh vile judgment that will take place shortly after the return of Christ. So that's the Revelation timeline. We are going to be right there at that midpoint. Abomination of desolation where it says two witnesses are killed, that's where we're going to be in the Scriptures this morning, between chapters 10 and 14. Um, I propose that there is an ongoing war against God. Ongoing war against God. The uh, the pages of Revelation show us the climax of this war. And the, the passage that we are going to focus on uh today show us Satan's short lived domination on the planet. But make no mistake, Satan's hatred against God and his people is just as strong right now as it will be uh in the book of Revelation at, at the end times. Uh you, you have your place in Revelation. Turn back just a couple of pages to first John. First John, Second John, third John, Jude Revelation. It should be four books back from Revelation. First John, chapter two and verse number 18. Now, John's writing uh, to churches here, and these folks are all concerned about the Antichrist, as many people are today. Talk, they were talking about him, but they were a little obsessive over the Antichrist. And so Paul said, hey, listen, yeah, the Antichrist, or rather John said, yeah, the Antichrist is coming, but let's not worry about the Antichrist. Let's talk about Antichrists, little a, that are around us. Look at verse 18. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now uh, are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out, uh, but they went out, uh, that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Look at verse 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father And the son. So while we're worried about the Antichrist, while we'll study and talk about the Antichrist, make no Doubt about it. There are antichrists that are present today, and they deny God the Father. They deny God the Son, and not only do they deny Him, they're on a mission to destroy those who take a stand for Him, to belittle them, to persecute them, to uh, push them outside of the culture, which they've done, and eventually to persecute them if they continue to stand. Now, uh, turn over with me to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. Because of this, we must be. Be equipped to fight the good fight. We must be equipped. Uh, Paul tells us that we are in a fight. We're in a war. And this war against God, while it will conclude in the book of Revelation, it is current and it is ongoing now. Satan hates God. Satan hates God's people. He's out to destroy them. You say, well, pastor, how is God out or how is Satan out to destroy me? He wants to get you addicted to every substance under the sun. He wants to ruin your marriage if you're married. He wants to ruin your morality if you're single. He wants to uh, get you involved in uh, premarital relations that will put a stain on your soul. He wants you to be drunk and beating your wife if you're married. He wants you, if he can't get you there, he wants you to quit church. He wants you to uh, run away from uh, things that are are right. He definitely doesn't want you to uh, give out gospel tracts and invite people to church and, and help fight the good fight. He's doing everything he can to distract you and ephesians 6 talks about this spiritual war look at verse number 10 finally my brethren be strong in the lord and in the power of his might now before we continue let me just say to all of you that are pro-military you'll really enjoy this passage look at verse 11 put on the whole armor of god that ye may be able to stand against the wiles or the fiery darts of the devil for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but what are we wrestling against principalities against powers "...against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day." And having done all to stand. Now, I could take a soldier and I could send him to boot camp and the drill instructor could break that young man down and teach him a team mentality and could teach him how to fire a gun and could teach him uh, what to pack in his bag and could equip them and give him the uniform and give him all those things and you could put him on an aircraft and send him over to the Middle East and put him in a war zone. But if you were to strip away his gun and strip away his uniform and put him in civilian clothes and send him out there to battle, he'd have about as much chance on that battlefield as you or I with no training. You see, a soldier without his equipment has no chance. And Christian, today, we must realize that we are in a spiritual war against Satan, and Satan wants to take you out. He wants to assassinate you. He is like that marksman, that that, uh, sniper with his high-powered rifle, and he sits off to the side waiting for you to have that weak moment so he can hit you with a fiery dart of lust or hit you with a fiery dart of covetousness or hit you with a fiery dart of pride or hit you with a fiery dart. Of lying and 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 stealing and and living a shameful lifestyle he's looking for you to one day wake up and not put on your christian uniform the armor of god and he waits for you to have that hole in your game and he's waiting to take you out satan wants nothing more than to drop you i'm sad to say this but so many pastors have have uh, stood up and preached the gospel truth like i am today and they're now out of the ministry because of an affair or because of embezzling money or because of being dishonest or abusing their wife. And, and, and I know many Christians who have been caught up in these very, very same things that are just regular going church members. The truth is some of you that are here today won't be in church 12 months from now. It isn't that you won't be going here. It's just that you won't be going anywhere. Satan is going to drop you with one of his fiery darts. Well, we're going to look in great detail at the war and the climax of the war in just a moment. In, in Revelation 10 and 14 where the the fight is going on between Satan as a dragon in, in the heavens with Michael the archangel. We'll look at that in just a moment. But please understand that that very war is already going on over your very head as you get up and go it every day. And is Satan having his way with you or are you suiting up and putting on the armor of God and fighting against Satan. I would encourage you, if you don't know Ephesians 6 well, to go and study what the armor of God is because it gives it to us in great detail. The helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth and the shoes of peace and a gospel of peace and the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we need to learn how to wield these and wear these like a soldier learns how to use His uniform and uh, uh, how he uses it to survive. And so this morning, let me just encourage you as we look at this battle between the forces of righteousness and iniquity, good and evil, to remember that this war, yeah, it's going to happen in Revelation in grand fashion. It's happening today. Some of you this week felt a lust. Satan won that battle in your life. Some of you this week Lost your temper and yelled at your spouse. Satan won that battle in your life. Some of you this week abused some sort of a substance. Satan won that battle in your life this week. Some of you this week took God's name in vain. You had a loose mouth and you cursed someone out or you used curse words. Satan won that battle in your life this week. And how do you win a war? By winning the majority of the battles. Some of you are losing the war in your life. Because Satan's winning the little battles. Suit up, Christian. Put the armor on. Put the armor on. You say, well, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Memorize the Scripture. That's your only offensive weapon that the Bible gives you. Wield that sword well. Let's look at the these events in Revelation today. Uh, as though it is a play. I opened the sermon talking about Shakespeare. said, the world... Is but a stage, and we are but the actors. We're going to look at the events in Revelation today as though they are a play. We're going to look at this war between God and His people, and uh, we're going to look. We're going to divide this into two sections. I guess you could call these points one and two. But we're going to first look at the cast, and then we'll look at the script. Number one, notice the cast. The cast. All right. So I'm not going to go into too many details, other than just telling you who. The actors are uh, in this in this play all right notice letter a the agents of righteousness the agents of righteousness and the first uh the first agent of righteousness we'll look at is jesus described as an angel go back to revelation 10 jesus described as an angel now let me just say this that uh before i begin reading i'm about 99 percent sure that revelation 10 1 through 7 is describing jesus I'm about 99% sure. I'm not 100% sure. If you have a differing opinion and you have studied the book of Revelation well, then I respect your opinion. I've read plenty of commentaries uh, studying for this message where people don't agree with this. I'm going to give you the reasons why I think that this uh, angel in Revelation 10 is Jesus. And again, if you disagree with me, it's all good. Look at verse 1. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth, and cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried, uh, and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven, saying unto me, Seal up those things, uh, which, uh, uh, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven, uh, and the things that are therein are and the sea and the things that therein are and the, uh, and the sea and the thing, okay, and that there should uh, be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, Uh, When he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants and the prophets. Now, we could spend a Sunday just talking about this and all the other characters. This is a snapshot view of Revelations. I'm going to move quickly here, but let me just give you a few reasons why I think that this mighty angel is Jesus. Notice first there in verse number one, it says that a rainbow is upon his head. Uh, if you go back, and we're not going to do it, but uh, you're taking notes, this is good for you to study. Revelation 4.3 uh, talks about that the throne that Jesus sat on having a rainbow around it, okay? Uh, and the only person ever really described with a rainbow or about a rainbow would be uh, God. And Jesus, obviously, is the second part of God. Look next there, it says in verse 1, and his face was as it were the sun. Matthew 17.2 talks about when Jesus was transfigured that his face looked like the sun, uh, next there, and his feet as pillars of fire. Revelation 1.15 describes Jesus' feet uh, looking like fire as in fine brass. Uh, look down at verse number 3. And cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried, seven. Seven is only attributed uh, to God except for when Satan in his false trinity is trying to copy uh, Jesus. But uh, as far as a good guy, angel Uh, seven being a number that is normally only attributed to God on uh, the side of righteousness. So I believe this being, uh, oh, and that he has a little book in his hand, I believe that book being the title deed to earth, all right, so uh, which Jesus was the only one worthy to open. So I believe that this agent of righteousness, this angel is uh, Jesus. By the way, Jesus is also described as an angel multiple times in the old testament okay Uh, the next uh, agent of righteousness here notice the two witnesses now it's important that you learn who the characters are or the cast is because in a few minutes when i start going over the script if you weren't listening here then you're going to be lost when i start going over the script so please learn who these people are turn over revelation chapter 11 revelation chapter 11 and verse number three and i "...will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, or one thousand two hundred and sixty days, or three and a half years, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth, and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed." These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. So um, in the beginning of the tribulation, two prophets, the Bible does not name them, two prophets will begin to prophesy against the Antichrist and uh, against this uh, evil world. Uh, and against those who won't repent and trust Christ, and they will preach. They'll get up every day, and they will stand somewhere near the temple, and they will preach. And they're going to tick a lot of people off. There's going to be people that come at them to try to hurt them. And when that happens, these men are going to be prophets that are empowered by God. They're going to open their mouths, and they're going to kill those that try to hurt them with fire. That's going to be a sight to behold, right? Right? Uh, They're also going to have power to perform miracles, turn water into blood, uh, pray and shut down heaven. Now, many people, again, many people, not me, but many people speculate that uh, because it says that they're going to pray to shut the water off or the rain off from heaven or have the power to do that, that that is a reference to Elijah. And the turning the water into blood is a reference to Moses and that Elijah and Moses will be the two witnesses. You say, pastor, is that who it's going to be? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. So, where the Bible's silent, I'm going to be silent. All right? If God wanted us to know, he would have told us. But these two witnesses, okay? These two witnesses uh, stand and they prophesy, and nobody has the power to stop them. They're going to make a lot of people upset. All right, let's look at the next agent of righteousness. Let's talk about the nation of Israel. Look at Revelation chapter 12. Now, the nation of Israel is compared to a woman all throughout the Old Testament. And she, she is symbolized by one here in Revelation chapter 12. Look at verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under his feet. Now, let me pause there. You all remember the, the dream of Joseph? How that he was one of the stars that the sun, moon, and other stars bowed down to? All right? And they were the children of Israel. All right? So this is the nation of Israel being again compared to the uh, the sun, moon, and stars of heaven, or the moon and the stars of heaven. Look at verse 2. And she being with, ch- uh, with child cried, travailing in per- birth, and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man child. This is the birth of Jesus, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God. Now, you see that colon there after iron. That colon is the life of Jesus. His life, his death, his resurrection. And then we go straight to his ascension. All right. And her child was caught up unto God into his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she uh, hath a place prepared of God uh, that they should feed uh, her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. So we'll talk about that uh, verse six more in just a moment. But the the uh, travailing in birth is the birth of the Messiah through the womb of Jesus, all right, or through the womb of Israel, which would be uh, Mary, obviously, being uh, one of the children of Israel. So uh, the nation of Israel is one of the agents of righteousness. We'll come back and talk about them again in just a few moments. All right, next notice Michael the archangel. Michael the archangel. Look at Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 7. It says there, and there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon uh, uh, fought... And his angels. So uh, Michael is leading the angelic army against uh, the dragon or Satan and his army. And there is a war that will happen in heaven between Michael and Satan. Now the name Michael means who is like God? It's a question. Who is like God? And obviously the answer is no one. Is it any wonder that Satan will want to attack Michael, because Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, tells us that he wanted to ascend his throne, send himself above the throne of God. And so he's going to go after the angel who is named, who is like God? Who is like God? And the question is a shout, uh, is, is a strong answer. No one is like God, not even you, Satan. So number one, we notice the cast. Letter A, we notice the agents of righteousness. Letter B, notice The adversaries of righteousness. The adversaries of righteousness. We've looked at the good guys. Let's look at the bad guys. Now, we know that God has his trinity. Same with me. Ready? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. We also know that Satan loves to counterfeit everything God does. He loves to counterfeit. And I've talked about that plenty So I won't rehash all that, but Satan loves the counterfeit, so Satan is going to have his trinity. And he's going to have his trinity that tries to emulate God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Everything God does, Satan copies, Satan imitates, Satan counterfeits. Let's look at this evil trinity, all right? Notice the first adversary of righteousness, Satan. Satan, the red dragon. Satan, the red dragon. Look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 3. There appeared another wonder in heaven. And Behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head. By the way, that seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns, we'll talk about what all that means in another sermon. But uh, in a moment, when we look at the Antichrist, he is described as having the same thing. You remember what Jesus said, I and my Father are one? He's creating the Antichrist, where he, the Antichrist, can be just like the red dragon. He is, so Satan, the red dragon, is an imitation of God the Father, alright? Look at verse 4. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. This is talking about when Satan led the revolt in heaven at the very beginning of the book of uh, Genesis and uh, and was thrown out of heaven, and a third of the angels rebelled with him. All right? So, uh, again, verse 4, And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and had cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Remember the story about where Herod wanted to kill all the babies two and under? That was Satan trying to devour the child as it was born. So Satan is this dragon. Uh, one-third of the stars falling uh, with him is a reference to Satan being cast out of heaven. And one-third of the angels being thrown out with him. These angels are now demons. And so, are demons real? Yes, demons are real. And demons are fallen angels. So, we see Satan, the red dragon. Again, the purpose of this is not to uh, do anything but explain the cast. Next notice, uh, 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 Antichrist, the beast of the sea. Antichrist, beast of the sea. Look at Revelation 13, 1 and 2. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his uh, horns ten crowns, just like the, just like the red dragon, uh, and uh, upon the, the, his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard. How is Jesus labeled? Jesus is labeled a lamb and uh, or or and a lion and then he's here labeled a leopard. So again, trying to imitate Christ. You have a lion in Jesus, you have a leopard in the antichrist. And his feet were as the feet of a bear and his mouth as the mouth of a lion and the dragon gave his uh, gave him his power and his seat in great authority. You remember that Jesus said that he got his authority from God the Father. And here the antichrist gets his power from uh, Satan, who is trying to imitate God the Father. So, he is a counterfeit of God the Son. He is an anti of God the Son. That's why he's called anti-Christ. Next, notice the false prophet, beast of the earth. Beast of the earth. So, the red dragon imitates God the Father. The anti-Christ, uh, uh, beast of the sea, in, uh, imitates God the Son and the false prophet, beast of the earth is going to try to be a counterfeit or a knockoff, an imitation of the Holy Spirit. Look at Revelation 13, verse 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a, uh, like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. So that is the cast. We'll talk about uh, what they do in just a moment, but we have the agents of righteousness. We have the adversaries of righteousness. Number two, notice the script, the script. So we've looked at the cast. Let's talk about the script. By the way, God is the director and producer. So he gets to set the script and Satan's got to follow it. So let's see how this plays out. Letter A, Satan's accusation of the saints. The first A and B are going to take place from the beginning of The tribulation up to somewhere around the middle point. All right. Turn back with me to Revelation chapter 12 and verse number seven. Satan's accusation of saints. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was there found a place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. By the way, that word devil Means Deceiver and that word Satan means accuser. So he is this, the, the, the deceptive accuser, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Notice that there. For the accuser of our brethren as cast down, uh, which accused them before our God day and night. Now we're going to come back to that in just a moment. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they um, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore, rejoice, ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the seal. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath uh, but a short time. So notice there. The accusers of the brethren uh, is cast down, which accused them before God, our God, day and night. Throw that timeline picture back up there. You notice there where it says rapture, if you can see, uh, the church saints are judged. In heaven. So, what is Satan going to be doing? Well, we know from the book of Job that Satan goes back and forth between heaven and earth. You remember there in Job where he had a given account to God and he said, uh, God says to him, he says, have you not considered my servant Job that he's perfect and upright and, uh, and he, he loves God and eschews or hates evil? So Satan is allowed entrance somewhat to heaven even currently. He's got to go back to heaven and give an account to God. Well, that is going to continue all the way up through this battle with Michael, the archangel. What is Satan doing in heaven during the first three and a half years of the tribulation? Let me tell you exactly what he's doing. We as Christians, the church are going to be judged. Satan is going to be there as the prosecuting attorney, accusing me and you. So when it's your turn to come up and give an account for your life and leadership Satan's going to stand there and say, I have a list of all of the bad that guy or that gal has done. And Jesus is going to be the defense attorney. He's going to say, oh, but wait a minute. I know all about your list, Satan. I know all about the crimes that you claim. But my blood has washed those sins away. Satan's going to be there day and night during the judgment. During that three and a half years, he's going to be accusing us. Look back at verse number 11. And they, that's us, that's the church, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. So what happens is at the end of Satan accusing us during this judgment seat, we're all going to rise up against him and we're going to tell God, get this guy out of here. And God is going to send Michael the archangel and there's going to be a battle between Michael, the archangel and uh, and uh, this um, this Satan. And he's going to throw him out of heaven. And Satan will no longer have any more access to heaven. The access he currently has is limited, but his access will end and he'll be forced to stay on earth. Now, all the cartoons growing up want you to believe that Satan lives in hell. Satan's never been to hell yet. He's going to spend eternity there at some point. But he's never even been there yet, all right? So uh, we see here that Satan, during this first three and a half years between the rapture of the church and the abomination of desolation, I believe he goes back and forth, but he spends a chunk of his time in heaven accusing the saints. Letter B, notice, the false prophets act of miracles. The false prophets act of miracles. Turn over to Revelation chapter 13 and verse number 11. I've got to hurry here. Revelation 13 verse 11. While you're turning there, my brother um, teaches uh, as a college professor in, in, um, in, I believe it's Honduras. Yeah, in Honduras. He's a missionary there. He's uh, currently raising support to go and, and be there full time all the time. But uh, he taught there last year in their in their uh, Bible college. He said it took him teaching three hours a day for an entire semester to get from chapter 1 to chapter 15. And we're covering 10 to 14 in one sermon. So, uh, you can see that you can spend a lot of time on this stuff, but we're just getting the highlights here. Look at Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. And he exercised with all the power of the first beast before him and cause of the earth. And them which dwell therein to worship the first beast. That, that's the Antichrist whose deadly wound was healed. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth, and, and in the sight of men. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles, which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make the image, uh, uh, make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. Uh, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause uh, that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So again, this false prophet—who is he trying to imitate? Talk to me. Who is he trying to imitate? Which of the which of the trinities he trying to imitate? The Holy Spirit. Which one? The Holy Spirit. And so, what? what how are there parallels between the false prophet? And the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a couple. The Holy Spirit, He endorsed Jesus' ministry. You remember when He was baptized? The Holy Spirit came down in the form of a a dove. He was there to endorse the ministry. Immediately after His baptism, the Bible says that the Spirit, capital S Spirit, led Jesus away in the wilderness. You remember that? Okay, so here we have the Holy Spirit endorsing Jesus' ministry. The false prophet is going to endorse the ministry square quotes to those listening audio only ministry of the antichrist he's going to work to endorse him the glory is not going to be given to the false prophet he's going to defer all glory to the antichrist the holy and so let me give you another parallel here the holy spirit raised jesus from the dead that's a biblical truth you can find in scripture that it was actually the holy spirit that brought jesus back to life the false prophet is going to raise the antichrist from the dead look at revelation chapter 13 verse 3 speaking of the antichrist and I saw uh, one of his heads as it were wounded to death this is referenced four times in the book of revelation as it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed and all the world wandered after the beast and they worshiped the dragon which gave unto the beast and they worshiped the beast saying who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him. So somewhere in that first three and a half year period where the Antichrist is just one of the political leaders, he's going to be killed with a sword to the head. And the false prophet's going to come along and raise him back to life. Satan is going to empower the false prophet. Satan, who acts as the, the, the imitated God the Father, is going to empower the, anti, the false prophet to raise this Antichrist back to life. Now, if you were a God-hating atheist and you saw with your own eyes on a television screen somebody raised the Antichrist back to life, wouldn't you be tempted to believe it's his acts of miracles? Not only does he raise this Antichrist back to life, but he has power to call fire out of the heavens. He has, a, a, he has a power to perform many miracles, verse 14 tells us. Letter C, notice... Antichrist's assassination of the two witnesses. Antichrist's assassination of the two witnesses. Go go over to Revelation chapter 11, verse number 7. And when they, the two witnesses, shall have finished their testimony. This is right at the three and a half year mark. The beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. Let me pause there. It is a great city from an economical standpoint. It is a great city by the opinion of those on earth. It is considered a despot in heaven. It is compared to Sodom in its, uh, in its immorality and it's compared to Egypt in its stubbornness against God. Look at, look at the rest of the verse there. For also our Lord was crucified. So just in case there's any question about which city this is, this uh, is talking about uh, Jerusalem. Verse 9. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and they and they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half. Speaking of the witnesses and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And after three days and a half the spirit of life from God entereth into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them, and they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. So these two these two witnesses have been preaching the truth about salvation. They've been tre- preaching against the acts of of, of, uh, of Sodom and the stubbornness of Egypt uh, type lifestyle. And uh, they've gotten a lot of coverage, no doubt, on the news, I would imagine. Uh, people have come and tried to hurt them. They've opened up their mouth and killed those people with fire. They have shut up the heavens. They've turned water into blood. Uh, they've, they've created a lot of problems for those that are of the Antichrist, of of, of Satan and his trinity. And all of a sudden, All of a sudden, the Antichrist is going to come out of nowhere and he's going to murder these two witnesses. And there's going to be a satanic type of Christmas on earth. People are going to be sending gifts to each other. They're not even going to bury these two guys. They're just going to leave them in the streets. And after three and a half days, the Holy Spirit of God is going to come down and enter them and resurrect them. They're going to stand up and they're going to very slowly ascend up to heaven. Imagine what that's going to be like. I hope that we get to look down from heaven and see this. Right? The shock on everybody's faces. Now, I believe the timeline here is the Antichrist does this right before he walks into the temple. To commit the abomination of desolation. That brings us to letter D. The Antichrist's abomination of the temple. Now. Revelation does not give us the details of this, but the book of Daniel and the books of Mark and second Thessalonians do turn over to Daniel chapter nine, verse twenty seven. You can't study the book of Revelation without studying the book of Daniel. Daniel and Revelation fit together like hand in glove. Some of the pieces of the puzzle of the of the prophetic in times are found in in Daniel. Some are found in Zechariah. Some are found in other um, uh, Old Testament uh, prophets And then uh, Ezekiel included. And then uh, uh, they fit together with the book of Revelation. Look at Daniel chapter 9 verse 27. And before I begin reading this, remember that a week is a group of seven units. Seven units. And this unit is not days as we consider a week. This unit is years. So a group of seven years. So one week would be seven years. All right. Keep that in mind as we read this. This is talking about a seven year period. And he shall confirm. He, the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, or for seven years. And in the midst of the week, so what would be the midst of of, of uh, seven years? Three and a half years. In the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice. Where do you perform sacrifices? But in the temple, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations. He shall make it desolate. What does that mean? That means that the Jews who were worshiping in the temple are going to leave. The Jews are going to leave even until the consummation and the determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, I want you to turn over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 because the Apostle Paul gives us great detail exactly what's going to happen during that abomination of desolation, that abomination that creates the desolation. But Jesus also spoke of the abomination of desolation. While you're turning over to Second Thessalonians 2, let me read for you Mark thirteen fourteen. It says, But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand. Then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. Flee to the mountains. So that is the desolation, the fleeing to the mountains by the Jews. All right. Second Thessalonians chapter two tells us what the Antichrist is actually going to do during the abomination of desolation. It says there, let no man, verse three, second Thessalonians two, verse three, let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And the man of sin, speaking of the Antichrist, be revealed the son of perdition. Who would be the son of perdition? The, the perdition is Satan. This is his son, the Antichrist, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So we know that the that the false prophet will set up an image of the Antichrist. Again, look back at Revelation 12 to see that, but he'll set up an image or a statue of the Antichrist that will actually speak and come to life, but the Antichrist will go in and he will sit down on some sort of seat in the temple and he will declare himself to be God. This is where he begins his world domination. Now, he's been one of the ten kings. He's gonna go from being one of the ten kings to being the king of the world. Claiming to be God. So Antichrist, abomination of the temple. At this point the Jews will leave. Letter E. Notice Satan's anti-Semitism turned up. Satan's anti-Semitism turned up. Look at Revelation chapter 12. Verse number 13. Now remember the backdrop here. Satan has been allowed to go between heaven and earth. He has spent a good chunk of that three and a half years. Accusing the church age saints. Now... He's been expelled out of heaven for good. Now Satan is really upset. And Satan looks at the woman, the nation of Israel, that gave the earth Jesus, who he hates supremely, who was responsible for kicking him out of heaven. He looks at the woman who gave the world, Jesus, the nation of Israel, and he decides to turn up the heat, the persecution heat on Israel. By the way, I believe this, that Satan does not know when the tribulation is going to begin. So Satan always has an antichrist ready. I believe that Hitler was one of the antichrists that Satan had ready, but it wasn't God's timing. And so Hitler persecuted the Jews and was prepared to be the antichrist, but was not God's antichrist or was rather was not the antichrist of the book of revelation. And so Satan always has one ready. We know that this antichrist is not a human rather resembles a human and comes out of the sea of hell, the lake of fire of hell, chosen out of hell, uh, put incarnated in the form of a man and put on earth to be this Antichrist. Now look at uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 13, and we see now that Satan's been thrown out of heaven. He's going to turn his rage and wrath toward the Jews. And when the dragon saw that he was cast under the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child. And the woman uh, were given two wings as a, of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. That's uh, an accumulation of that three and a half years from the face of the serpent. So uh, a couple of things here really quick. Um, uh, there are uh, uh, two times in the Old Testament where Israel is pro, pro- Israel's protection is symbolized by that of an eagle. You might remember Isaiah 4031, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. That's talking about deliverance from Babylon. Uh, I believe in the Old Testament their delivery from Pharaoh in Egypt was talked about being born on the wings of eagles. And so here there, uh, you see another reference of eagles. And what happens is when this abomination takes place, the Jews quit worshiping in the temple and they escape into the wilderness and they are protected by God uh, in the wilderness over the last three and a half years. Look at verse 15. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might, or, or Israel, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which kept the commandment of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, really quick here, I'm running out of time. I just got to get this in really quick. You remember in Egypt how that the Israelites lived in the land of Goshen. And when the plagues came, the Egyptians suffered, but the Israelites for the most part, did not. And that uh, they put the blood on the doorpost. When the death angel passed by, they were protected and uh, they were saved. And then you remember when they were expelled out of Egypt, they were finally let go. And they were backed in a corner between the rocks of the Red Sea. And in came the Egyptians. What did God do? He used the elements to come down and block the Egyptians from, from getting them. He split the Red Sea. The Israelites crossed. The Egyptian army came into the Red Sea and the waters closed. You see, you remember that? There's a lot of parallels here in this passage where the Satan is going to try to use a flood of water to kill the Jews and the earth is going to help the Jews again here just like it helped them in the book of Exodus and they have their place of respite and rest just like the Israelites had the land of Goshen there in Exodus. Letter F, notice, Antichrist's allegiance demanded. Antichrist's allegiance demanded look at revelation 13 verse 16 now the false prophet is involved in this process but look at verse 16 and he the false prophet causeth all both small and great rich and poor free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name here is wisdom Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man and his number is six hundred, score and six six hundred sixty six. And in the Old Testament, they used letters for numbers. The clave is the sixth Hebrew letter. And by the way, if you look at a monster energy drink, it contains three claves. Looks like an M, but it's really clave, clave, clave or six, six, six. You see how Satan is getting his mark out there. And if you look at a monster drink, it says release the beast within you. I'm not making it up. You don't believe me. Google it. Look at look, uh, go to the store and pick one up and look at it. Um, I'm not a big fan of energy drinks, by the way. Um, but that's another sermon. Satan is, going to, Satan is going to have the false prophet push everyone to get this mark. And this mark, I believe, I believe, I can't prove this, but I believe it will be some sort of computer chip that will go down under the skin or will be placed in the forehead. And you'll be able to swipe your hand at the store to pay. You go to the doctor, they'll scan your hand and you'll swipe your hand. All your medical records will be there. They'll have a GPS sensor embedded in that thing, I pro- I, I believe. Again, I, this isn't in the Bible, but just, just maybe speculation. And they'll know where you are at all times. And they'll sell it this way. The famine happened in the, in the seven, uh, uh seal judgments. There is no food, really. You want your ration of food? You better get the mark, or you're not buying or getting any food. Uh, you want to have, um, uh, health care services? You gotta get the mark. Now, a couple of things about the mark. Again, Satan loves to counterfeit everything God does. You remember in Revelation, and I'm going back in my mind here, Revelation, I believe it's chapter seven, or chapter seven, where God puts a mark or a seal on the saints, on their forehead. And what do we say about that seal? That seal means that those saints belong to God. Now, when people take the seal or the mark of the beast, Satan is saying, These people belong to me. And once you sign up to get that mark, you'll never be allowed to get saved. Now, those first three and a half years, there's a lot of God pouring out his judgment to get people's attention. Hey, believe in me. Believe in me. Get saved. The most severe of the of the of the wrath of God poured out on the earth is yet to come in the second half where those who have taken the beast now have no chance. So it's full blown wrath being poured out on the people. But the first three and a half years, people were tormented and people suffered so that they would turn to Jesus. But once they take the mark, there will be no chance. Look at um, turn back over to Second Thessalonians. I'm almost done. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Verse number nine. Now, again, Second Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4 talk about the abomination of desolation and the, uh, the, the, the son of perdition going in and sitting on the seat and declaring himself to be God. And so verses 9 and 12 follow verses 3 and 4. Let me say this. Some people take the verses I'm about to read to mean that at the rapture, people won't be allowed to get saved or right after the rapture. People who have heard the gospel won't be allowed to get saved The biggest issue with that is that these verses follow, verses 3 and 4, which are the midpoint of the tribulation. And so I believe that these verses are referring to those who get the mark of the beast. Look at verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders. Again, talking about the Antichrist. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. When, When did they have that chance? That first three and a half years, they had their chance to receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Look at verse 11. And for this cause, God sent them strong delusions that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So once you've taken the mark of the beast, you will believe a strong delusion and you will not be able to turn back to the truth. You will be sealed your, your damnation to hell will be sealed once you've taken that mark. Oftentimes, as we walk the Christian walk, we feel as though it's a losing effort. Right? We are tempted to throw our hands in the air and say, what's the use? Satan is winning the battle in our culture, isn't he? Anybody ever try to watch anything on Netflix and Amazon is like picking through the trash can to find something that's healthy. Right? You ever tried to go shopping in the store for your kids? Try to go buy clothes for a nine-year-old girl. They want your nine-year-old girl dressed like a tramp. It's all about sex appeal for a nine-year-old. What's that about? Satan's winning the battle in the culture, is he not? Satan is winning the battle to corrupt the church. Now, I hope not this church... But look at churches as a whole. You're not getting gospel truth preached in most churches. You're getting, you can make it one more week. Just keep on going. You're not getting the gospel truth. They're not preaching the whole counsel of God. Satan is winning the battle to corrupt the church. Satan is winning the battle in convincing people that the Bible is a hoax. You carry a Bible around and you care, try carrying a Bible into your workplace tomorrow. Sit there and read it. You have people look at you like you just brought some kind of a satanic book in they look at you like, like you like you're some kind of weirdo. Satan is winning the battle because the director and producer of the play is allowing it. But in the end, make no mistake, we win. We win. In the end, those who choose righteousness and show choose to be one of God's people come out victorious. Christian, Christian, don't get discouraged. Don't forget this either. Revelation was written to the churches listed in chapters 2 and 3. The end events were explained to encourage them. That yes, we might be losing the battle. But we will win the war. Now Christian, if you're not wearing your spiritual armor. You're just going to be in the casualty. And yes, God's going to win the war. But are you on the Are you wearing the the armor to fight the good fight? I got to tell you, I don't want to be one of those soldiers that goes AWOL. I don't want to be one of those soldiers that deserts his troops. Not me. I don't want to be one of those soldiers who quits, dishonorably discharged. I want to be one of those soldiers that wakes up every morning and puts my armor on and says, God, I'm in a spiritual warfare. Count me in. Count me in this morning. Let me ask you a question. Are you on the winning side? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus to save you? Is the blood of the lamb going to account for you? Will Jesus have the opportunity to be your advocate, your lawyer, your paraclete in heaven? Are you going to fall under the wrath of God and die and go to hell? If you're on the winning side, are you living like you're on the winning side? Let's put our faith and trust in Jesus. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. How many here today say, Pastor, I don't always live like I'm on the winning side, but there's no doubt in my mind. I put my faith in Jesus, and I have uh, the blood of the Lamb that have atoned for my sins. I'm going to heaven, Pastor. Here's my hand of testimony that I am on my way to heaven. Jesus is saved. If that's you, you just raise your hand. Would you just raise your hand? How many here today say, Pastor, I've got to be honest. Some mornings I wake up and forget to put my spiritual armor on. I'm not really being the soldier in this war that I ought to be. There have been some battles in my life this week that Satan won. Pastor, pray for me that I will suit up, fight the good fight of faith. Be a good soldier for Jesus Christ. I bet you, would you raise your hand? Is there one here today say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm even on the right team. I'm not trying to be on Satan's team, but I've not made the conscious choice to be on Jesus' team. My friend, you don't get on Jesus' team by living a good life in your own effort. You get on Jesus' team by realizing you're a sinner. You're born in sin, and you're born under a sin curse. That sin curse brings about the condemnation of God. You were born on Satan's team. No matter how hard you try to do right, unless you make the conscious choice to put your faith in Jesus, you continue on that team. There must be a singular point in your life where you bow your head and you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and give you the gift of eternal life. When you do that, he adopts you into his family. He puts you on his team. Then and only then can you fight the good fight. Is there one here today? To say, Pastor, I'm not even sure I'm, I'm saved. That's you. You just raise your hand. I'm not sure. Mike, Mike. Let's stand to our feet this morning. If you raise your hand, let me encourage you. Why don't you make your way to the altar? Why don't you tell the Lord that this week you're going to fight the good fight? You're going to fight on the Lord's side. You're going to put on the armor of God. You're going to be the soldier that He's called you to be. Oh, that war is going on over your head. Are you going to let Satan have his way or are you going to do the right thing? If you're here this morning and you don't know that you're going to heaven, one's already come to... Talk about that and know how he can get his eternity settled. If you're here today and you've been saved and not baptized, our baptismal waters are warm and ready. We'd love to have you follow the Lord in that next step of faith. If you've been saved and baptized, but you've not yet joined our church, we'd love to give you more information about how you can do that. Let's make decisions for Christ this morning as the piano plays. You can be seated. All right. We've got some uh, decisions to announce this morning. And let's see. It's neat, it's neat to see um, our bus children growing up, riding the bus every week, being faithful, going through our children's program, going through our teen program, reaching adulthood, and becoming members of our church, isn't it? Last week we had Tiandre and Taylor join. Uh, Bryson. They're back there, and we've got three more today that are going to follow and do the same thing. They all three have been saved as a result of the bus ministry, been baptized here in this baptistry pool, and they have reached adulthood, and we're going to allow them to enter the membership of the church. That's exciting. Let's start with, uh, I just need the first and last name, Angela. You can just bring me that when you get that. Okay. Well, let's have um, Isaiah stand first. This is Isaiah Harvin. Isaiah has been saved and baptized, and we're excited to have him. Welcome, Isaiah, into the membership of our church. <laughs> Bethany, you'd stand. This is turnaround for me there. Bethany de los Santos. That means of the saints. I can't think of a better last name for a Christian. Amen. I got to lead Bethany's dad of the Lord at her house, and I told him, I said, now you really are of the saints. So that was neat. Well, Bethany, it's good to have you. Welcome to the memberships. Give her a round of applause. And faith, faith, if you'd stand. And Faith as well has put her faith and trust in Jesus, has been baptized here and has, uh, is ready for membership. Let's give Faith a round of applause. And, uh, all of those in favor of receiving these three in our membership, let me hear a hearty amen. amen. All right, very good. And let's stand to be dismissed this morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for being a part of it. I'd encourage you to dive into Revelation yourself and study it. If you'd like some study materials, Brother Verone actually has been emailing me more in-depth study of each chapter. And I could forward those along to you if you'd like. And just let me know. But I um, hope that's been a blessing to you. Let's go fight the good fight this week. Amen. Let's be a soldier for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's do our part. Let's pray and we'll be uh, dismissed. Mike Mux, if you would, close us in prayer.